Great morning to you all. You know, um, I don't know if that's how you feel or not this morning yet, but it actually is a great morning. Not because of our circumstance, never actually because of our circumstance, even though I think we tie great mornings to our circumstance. It's great morning because we have a loving Heavenly Father, a loving Savior named Jesus Christ, and God is Spirit, the Holy Spirit living within us, and, and He is with us, and He is in our world, and He oversees actually the world, and He wants us to know how valuable we all are to Him. And he says, don't just look at your circumstances through your eyes, look at it through my eyes. And that's actually what makes today great, and every day great. And we're going to discover that as we go through, but I think sometimes it's easy to get lost in what's in front of us, (laughs) Um, because it's sometimes painful, sometimes challenging, sometimes maybe it seems hopeless, we can't do anything about it, but God says, no, I'm going to give you a different lens. And that's honestly why we need to come back to him all the time, including a Sunday morning together. And so I'm so grateful that God has given us that opportunity today, and I'm glad that you're here with us, and um, God is here. Last Sunday, if you were here or you listened online, Kyle challenged us, and he actually challenged us to reach farther. And he said, you reach farther, in other words, you do something as a Christian by being, and he used the word, and it came from this passage in 2 Corinthians 5, an ambassador. In other words, you're an ambassador for God. God has done an incredible work in our lives, and through Christ, we are to live out this new identity, and he calls it an ambassador. Kyle said this, an ambassador is a representative. And in the Christian's case, It is a representative who represents God's view of life, not mankind's view. So it helps you see through a different filter. Kyle used the example, and this is 2 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians is a a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, which was in then Greece, and with his concerns, with his joys, with the challenges of the day that the church was facing, and he wanted to give them hope. And so he writes this letter, and in that, Paul says, as we learned last week, that he was an ambassador, but also that we are an ambassador. And it is the power of Christ that enables us to be so. In fact, if you read uh, 2 Corinthians 5, which I encourage you to, it's probably Paul's most personal book. He writes a lot about his pain in this book. Chapter 4, he talks about being hard-pressed on every side. Some of you know that passage. Near the end of the book, he actually talks about this thing called the thorn in the flesh that he's had to deal with for a long time. And he's just wanting to share with this church to be an ambassador of how Christ works through all of that. Kyle also reminded us that being an ambassador meant that we lived, uh, we let God live in us and through us. And in fact, Kyle's challenge was this for this past week. Where is an opportunity for you to let God be seen? So let me ask you this, how has the week been? Where this past week have you given others an opportunity for God to be seen through you as an ambassador? Not asking for necessarily a response back, but where have you allowed that to be? Have you been an ambassador? (laughs) Through you, have others experienced the beauty and strength and humility and closeness 
of this God that we worship, that we love, or that we say we love? Have you shared the gospel? The gospel, the good news of the life and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel demands that we be an ambassador. It's what we share. It's what it is. Paul says we are an ambassador. So again, how is this working for us? <laughs> I hate questions like that. You know why I hate questions like that? It's because in reality, I sometimes, I often struggle with doing my part. How about you? I have a hard time, I find, I must admit, with reaching out. <laughs> because you know what? I, I can't keep it up. I have a hard time letting Jesus be seen through me because I struggle with me. <laughs> I have a hard time simply because I just don't remember. <laughs> I leave here on Sunday and I've forgotten what we talked about in here. I have a hard time, I must admit, because I often lack the passion to do what God calls me to do. In my head, I know what I'm supposed to do, but in my heart, it just doesn't want to go there. How about you? Often my heart is just not in it. So what do we need? I think we need something that's called motivation. Motivation. What I need is, is the reason for why answered. <laughs> what I need is what, what uh, Kyle said last week. He talked about reaching further, but he also said this other uh, two words. He said, we need to grow deeper. In other words, why should I be an ambassador? Did you ask that? Do you know Why? Every time God asks us to do something, and I think we're really good at this when we look at the Bible or when we talk with others or um, when, we hear, when we read Scripture, we look at it and we say, we know what God calls us to do. But I think what we don't often look at is why. We need the motivation. So every time God asks you to do something, ask why. <laughs> look for the why. And that's simply what we're going to do this morning. What is our motivation to be an ambassador? And I would say this, we reach further by growing deeper. We reach further by growing deeper. The more time we spend with Christ and understanding his word and praying and time with his followers, the deeper we will grow. And the deeper we will grow, we will just learn to live <laughs> as Christ has called us to. We will enjoy that. We will love that. So what does God say is our motivation to be an ambassador? And it's these two words that I have on the screen. Love compels. Verse 14, it says here, Christ's love compels us, or other versions say controls us. And if you play this game, anybody know what this game is? Doesn't look like a game, does it? What's this game? Wordle. Excellent. Did any of you get up this morning and play Wordle? Please don't play Wordle right now as you're doing. All right, did you? So here, here. For those of you who have never played Wordle, Wordle's a game that gives you six chances to guess a five-letter word. Okay? Five-letter word. 
So you try to guess it in less than six chances, right? And if you guess it in less, you win. If you don't, you don't win. <laughs> and so every day, there's one word, and you get a new word. I've seen families do this as competitions. Maybe you guys do this too, and, and, and it's quite weird. But it's always, at least up until now, this is how they've structured it, it's a five-letter word. So let's play together, shall we? Now, with this, there'll be a little variation because obviously um, I can't have you shouting all the words that you would put in. So normally you'd put a word in the, the, top, the top bracket, a five-letter word, and then if you get a letter right in it, it'll show up. And it'll show up in different colors. So if it's in the right spot, that letter will show up a certain way. And if it's, if it's the right letter but in a wrong spot, it'll show up in a different color, okay? So we're gonna try and guess. So I want you to think of a word, a five-letter word, that, and you can write it down. Hopefully you have a pen or a, maybe a pencil or you do it on your phone. Write down a five-letter word, that any five-letter word that you think, you know what, this, will be, this is the word that, that Todd's thinking about because I'm giving you the word. Okay, so just, just we're not going to take a ton of time to do this because that'll be the end of the service and then we'll be going home pretty quick. But Okay, now I'm going to help you with a clue. This isn't normally how it goes, but I'm going to say that you guessed a word and that word had the letter R and this is where the letter R was and that's where it landed. So... Hmm. So now you would write another word down with that letter R in it in that spot. So take the time. What would be a word, a five-letter word that fits the letter R? Hmm. Now you can tell your neighbor. I'm good with that. I just don't want you to yell out to me. But you can tell your neighbor. Because, you know, this is a competition. So we want it done as soon as... So maybe you've already guessed it. This is great if you have. Okay, I'll give you another help. How about this? Does this help you? What would this word be? Hmm. Hmm. You know, this is almost like Wheel of Fortune or something. It's like those guessing games. I, I love this. Okay, I'll help you one more time. Here we go, here we go. We'll, we'll make it to the bottom. Anybody figure out what this word is yet? Hmm. Okay, okay. Give you another clue here. Oh, there's a big clue. Can anybody guess what this word is now? Now you can shout it out. What do you think this word is? Yeah, it is press. Congratulations for those of you who got it. Congratulations if you got it in one word, or in two, or three, or congratulations that we got to do it as a team. Now, the, the reason I, I mention this word is because the word press is actually part of love compels. Did you know that? If you walk away with anything today, I want you to know, God wants us to know that love compels. That's the motivation, okay? That is why we go and share the love of Christ, because love, his love, compels us to. And part of that word, compels, actually means to press. The, the, this love compels or controls or presses us into a direction. That's what this word here means, compels. The word refers to cattle in a cattle chute. Have you ever seen that? It's when you put them in a chute to get them going in a direction. It's only one direction. It's the only direction they can go. They can't go back. They can't go side. They can only go one way. But the word also means, and it has with it the, the idea of a prisoner who is chained. And so they, they can't go anywhere else but where they're directed, where they need to go. There's only one option for them. So what is it about Christ's love that compels, that presses, that controls us to reveal Christ any day, anywhere, anytime with anyone? What is it about the love of Christ that does that? That's what Paul wants to share with us today. This love is our motivation. 
This love is what inspires us to act. This love is what removes guilt as a motivator and replaces it with responsibility and loyalty and trust. This love stirs our hearts with passion and power and emotion. You ever find yourself when someone shows you love, you just have to respond back? (laughs) That's what love does. So what is this love that controls and compels and presses us? First thing here, Paul says, it's a feast. Love is a feast. Verse 14 reads this. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old love. The word love here actually means feast. It means feast. That's what it means in Greek, a love feast. Have you ever been to a feast? Now, with this, you know, COVID and stuff, it's kind of all squashed down a little bit, but maybe the feasts are still there. It's just you by yourself. (laughs) But have you ever been to a feast? Like, you know what? I'm trying to think of what this would be like, and I I liken it to a buffet. I love buffet, (laughs) And that's what he's saying here. It's a love buffet. So think of, what what do we love about buffets? If you don't, I'm sorry, you'll have to bear with me with this analogy, but I really do love buffets. What do we love about buffets? Isn't it because they give you a lot of options? (laughs) They give you variety? You know, if you come up to it and and it's not hot, they'll take it away and bring it back and it's hot. If if you're in line and you're the last one and and, and the person in front of you just took the last bit of food, what happens? They absolutely, it's so good. My family and I went to a buffet. We've been to several. Um, across the line when we could all cross the border. And down in Bellis Fair, do you know the name of a buffet at the Bellis Fair Mall? I don't know if it's still there or not. Do you, do you remember? Old Country Buffet. Do you, remember, do you remember this? Some of you might, oh. Some of you like, oh. And I remember going to the Old Country Buffet. It was the first time we were going there and our kids were little. And, and we're like, oh, this, this is going to be so good. You know, uh, we're giving our kids all the options of food. And so we go into this buffet uh, and, and we go find our seats. And, and then all, my kids are just looking up and it's almost overwhelming. Aren't buffets overwhelming? Sometimes you look and you're like, oh, there's so much going on here. I don't know what to do first. My kids, had, my son had no problem what to do first. You know what he did? He went straight to the Slurpee machine. And you know what? I didn't care. <laughs> he ran to the Slurpee machine, got that, and then he came back, and we're like, okay, no, 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 no. I did care. We, we, so let's go to some food. Let's go. So, so we went in line, got some food, and, and the kids were going through, and, and Karen was going through, and I, we'd gone down with some friends, and they were going through, and I was the last in line, and I had my plate. And, and again, the, the other beauty of buffets are when you finish with your plate, you load up, you, you go and eat, they take it away, and you go get another plate. You don't even, it, they serve you. It's, it's fantastic. So I went back, or, or, sorry, I was in line for the first time. I had my plate, and I was just about to scoop into the first thing. And I can't remember what it was. It probably was like steak or something. I can't remember. And, and all of a sudden, I hear this, beep, beep. Beep, beep. I'm like, what? So I kind of looked up. I'm like, what, what's, where, it's like a car horn. What's a car horn doing in a buffet? I've never heard of it. Like, I don't see any cars in here. Okay, forget it. I, the smell's getting good. I need to eat. Buffet time. I go to scoop again. And beep, beep. I'm like, what? Seriously? And beep, beep. And I kept like every five seconds. 
I turn around, and behind me are two little scooters with two people in them. <laughs> and, 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 and they're honking at me because I'm not going fast enough. <laughs> they want the buffet. They actually had their, their little uh, trays all set up on their scooter. It was, it was amazing. But I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and they're saying, you know, I'm hungry now. <laughs> I want it now. Give it to me now. It's, it's, it's because it's a feast and it's so good. And I can't wait to eat what's there. And this is what the word here is. This is the motivating love that compels us. It is so good. God says, and it's called love, and it's a love feast. That means there's so much to it. It's not just one little piece here and one little piece there. There's so much to eat and so much to look at and so much to taste. Is that how we see the love of God? There's so much depth to this word love. It is a feast. We need to try it out. This love is also hope for me, for us. It's not just a feast. There's not just lots there, but we actually now have to eat it. We have to try it. And he uses the word reconciliation to this feast. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself to no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. I'm reading out of the NLT, just in case you're curious. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. He says, here is an example of love that you can't ever forget. You got to know. You got to taste it. You you got to embrace it. And he calls it reconciliation. When Kyle started this for us last week, and he mentioned it, and, and essentially reconciliation is the removal of a barrier of sin between God and humanity by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. With the result being that no barrier to fellowship with God remains. Humanity is now reconciled to God. Verse 18 says... Christ reconciled people to him, to God. You know, it's interesting, if you're looking up this word reconciliation, and it's in this passage as we look at it here, and we're not going to take a ton of time, but, but we need to look at a little bit of it. It has the combination of restoration. It has the combination of atonement. It has the combination of exchange of something valuable for something valuable. That's the idea behind reconciliation. And so as I'm reading this, Paul is saying, God is saying, reconciliation costs. Reconciliation costs. We know that. Listen to the language of, of our province, right? As we work through things that involve the word reconciliation. It costs. There is payment made to reconcile. And Paul reminds us here that the cost of reconciliation to God was payment in the form of Jesus Christ for us. It cost God to reconcile me to him. It cost God to reconcile us to him. It cost him. And this is the cost. Christ willingly gave up his life. He died. 
to bring you and I back to God. And we are ambassadors of that cost. Think about that for a minute. It cost Christ his life to bring us back to him. He traded his life for ours. We are so valuable. It costs us to be examples of of reconciling others to God. So let me ask you this. What has reconciliation cost you? Reconciliation cost Christ his life. What has being an ambassador of reconciliation cost you? God the Father shows us that the cost is worth his son, Jesus Christ's life. God the Father shows us that the cost that he paid is worth his son. You are worth his son. We are worth his son, his son's life. The cost is worth the reconciliation. In fact, verse 18 says, all of this is a gift from God. It's a gift from God to reconcile you to him through the cost of his son. We are valuable to God. The cost we pay as ambassadors reveals the value of those we are ambassadors to. When you're an ambassador and we pay the cost, it shows the value to those who are your ambassador to. I love this uh, quote by Tim Keller. The gospel says you are more sinful and flawed than you've ever dared believe, but more accepted and loved than you'd ever dared hope. What's keeping us from being an ambassador? Is it the cost? There is hope for us in this word love. This love is also hope for all. It says here in verse 14 and 15, this love love is hope for all. Christ died for who? (laughs) All. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. It's not just for me, it's for everyone. What has been offered by Christ has been offered to everyone. So it's wrong or selfish if we are not ambassadors. It's selfish selfish of us if we are not ambassadors. (laughs) Because what's offered to me and how I enjoy it and how I love it and how I I revel in it and, and how it helps my tough days go well when I learn that Christ values me and has died for me, And if I hold it to myself, when it's offered to all, that's wrong. That's selfish. (laughs) Now, how many of us think, how many of us believe that if others act a certain way, and it's usually the way we act, (laughs) because we're usually the standard of of, of our lives, How many of us think or believe that if others act a certain way, they deserve Christ's love? Hmm. So if they don't act this way, my way, they don't deserve Christ's love. How many of us actually believe that? 
and so we withhold it from them. We stop being an ambassador of Christ's love, don't we, to some people? You know, one of the things we're going after these days, and, and we've prayed about the Ukraine, and, and we should be praying for Russia as well, and, and they all need examples of Christ's love, folks. <laughs> Those two scooters that were honking at me that were desperate to get to the table and desperate to get to their food, unfortunately, they were so rude and so disrespectful to me. I believe that they did not deserve the buffet. (laughs) So, because I believe they did not deserve the buffet, what do you think I did? Uh, You know, yeah, you're going to honk at me, I'm going to slow down that much more. It's going to take me a long time to get the food. And I might come back. Not only that, you know what else I did? I took the serving spoon and I put it in a place where they could not reach it. (laughs) Who would do that? I did. Not only that, you know what I did? When I saw part of the meal, a a, a dish or a bowl that was getting almost empty, I went in and I scooped the last bite because I knew they would have to wait so bad. I'm so bad. Don't follow me in line. But isn't this what we do as ambassadors sometimes? Hey, we pick and choose who deserves to be loved like Christ. God knows that about us. We look at who we are examples to and make the decisions whether they are worthy of the buffet or not. So God in all his wisdom says this through Paul in verse 15. He says, whatever we do, we do it for who? Christ. We do it for Christ. We don't do it for the other person. (laughs) We don't do it for ourselves. We're not doing it for our family. We're not doing it for our kids. Who does he say? He says, we do it for Christ. You know why? Because when we do it for Christ, we can't help but look into the eyes of the Savior who loved us and when we didn't deserve love. When we think of Christ when we're about to be ambassadors, it allows us to look into the eyes of our Savior who serves us even when we told him to get lost. When we do it for Christ, we look into the eyes of Christ who died for us in our rebellion when we told him, I hope you die. (laughs) If you're thinking I'm making this up, Romans 5. Read Romans 5. We were his enemies. We were against God. We were unworthy. We were powerless to do all of this. The reason he puts Christ here is because he wants us to see Christ before we look at people or as we look at people. Paul reminds us that we don't deserve love. We don't deserve the buffet. Yet Christ gave it to us. Yet Christ loved us. We are all in the same boat together, folks. We all start at the same spot. All of us do. Whether it's our prime minister, whether it's our neighbor down the street, whether it's our boss, whether it's anybody in our family, We all start on the same level. That's what he's trying to tell us here. Christ knew we all needed his love. We need him. And he wants us to see others the way God sees them. If we have this perspective, there is no one out of the reach of God's love. 
So how do we treat others? The way Jesus treats them? In fact, he says here, you used to treat Jesus this way. You used to hate him. <laughs> you used to reject him. You thought he was worth nothing. He's just a lowly little carpenter. Forgive me, any of you carpenters, good people. He says, that's the way you used to treat him until you realized what he did for you. Then came value. Then you realize that you're made in the image of God and he wanted to bring you back to that. And that's what he says about us. We are not the hero Christ is. See him as the hero. Time moves on quick. We better... Last thing here is love recognizes the power of God. Love recognizes the power of God. And, and here's what Paul says here. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through who? <laughs> through Christ. It is full of God's power and responsibility, this ambassador thing. We can love and serve others because it's God's purpose to see it through. God says he's the one that changes people. He's the one that changes us. God's power, verse 18, will ensure this. It is all from God. So let him be at work. Better stop there. I'm going to invite Steve Lee up. Some of you know Steve. Steve actually is on staff here. And um, I've asked Steve to come up and share a bit of his story. Christ's love compels my brother Steve. Come on over, Steve. Thank you so much, Todd, for asking me to share my story today. What an honor and privilege for me to tell you how much I hated God in the past. I believed in God when I was a child. Uh, more precisely, I believed there was a God who created the world and gave me life. Although I was, I was thankful to God for giving me life, I didn't want to acknowledge him uh, as my Lord and Savior because I wanted to be the master of my life. I used to follow the passions and desires of my flesh, doing whatever I want to do for more money, success, and pleasure. I didn't realize knowing God is a real blessing. But I was only interested in the blessings He could provide. I lived my life the way I wanted, but it, it, I didn't get the life I wanted. I never felt satisfied. I was very angry at God for not using His power to make my hopes and dreams come true. I became sick of life and wanted a life without God because I felt no need of Him since there was nothing the Almighty God was doing for me. I was deeply disappointed and started to hate Him. I hated the world He created. I hated my life, and I hated my parents. I wanted to break God's heart by ruining my life. I became a child of wrath, enemy of God, doing all kinds of bad things. I always mocked Jesus and humiliated him, deeply saying, you're not God, you're nothing, you have no power, you're dead, you don't exist. I wish you come back, 
as you promised, so I can get a chance to put you to death on the cross. Sorry, Jesus lovers. But this was me in the past. As a result, I was spiritually disconnected with God, socially isolated, and lived physically, mentally, emotionally unhealthy life. All I did was making Satan happy. I was out of control. My life was so destroyed. I was powerless without any hope for a better life. I was enslaved under the power of sin and the principality of the devil. I deserved the judgment of God to go to hell. The burden of guilt weighted heavily on my mind. It was leading me to death. And I finally decided to give up my life and wanted to end it. But there was Jesus who did not give up on me. He gently reminded me how precious I was, how he loved me and cared for me from mother's womb. Jesus was always there for me. I just couldn't see him because I was blinded by worldly ambitions and the lust of my flesh. And this Jesus that I hated so much, let me know that he knew this was coming. And because of this, he actually died for me to pay the cost of all the sins I have committed. I thought I'd never be forgiven, but I was forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. It was absolutely mind-blowing. I was accepted as I was when I was in the darkest moment of my life. Jesus also kindly reminded that my life that was led by my sinful nature have come to death, but it could be restored and it will last forever if led by him. So without hesitation, I offered my life to Jesus and then the ownership of my life has been changed. From that day on, as I was guided by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, I began to know more about Jesus and His love. I was reconciled to God through the unconditional love and amazing grace of Jesus Christ. My life has completely changed. I, who used to hate things of God, now have a heart that loves the things of God. Jesus died for me so I may live for him. I believe that Jesus saved me to save others. He who is able to raise death to life raised me to help raise others. God is looking for a moment of reconciliation with everyone in the world, and I want to be an ambassador of Christ sharing this message of hope and reconciliation so others may have life. Thank you, Emmanuel, for listening to my love story with Jesus. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. Don't, don't leave just yet, uh, Steve, because uh, I want to pray for you. And, uh, but we, we all have a story. It, it, it doesn't matter our cultural background. We all have a story. Uh, it doesn't matter our age. Um, we all have a story. And, and that story is that God the Father, through Jesus Christ, reached out to us.
and gave us a love feast. And he says, I want you to enjoy it. You need it. And Steve and I both need it. We all need it. And, and our world needs it. And so we need to eat it. I'm going to have to invite uh, Steve out to a buffet then soon, I guess. But um, we need to eat it together so we can also, the more we eat it, the more others will see it. Will you stand with me? And we're, we're going to pray. And then our worship team will, will lead us out after. Father, oh, thank you for your love. You've given us one glimpse, but you've given us such a beautiful glimpse, this thing called reconciliation that cost you everything, Lord Jesus, and yet gave us everything. Lord, uh, thank you. Thank you for your example. Thank you for answering why. Thank you for motivation. Lord, I lift up my brother Steve and his family. I thank you for their story, his story. And Lord, you know all the details. <laughs> because you are walking him through it and have walked him through it. And so we thank you for where you have never let him go. We thank you that you have never let him go. We thank you that there is so much more even than where we've come from, where he has come from. And I pray that as he follows you, uh, Lord, I pray that even the times where, as he even said, where he doesn't follow you, I, I thank you for reaching down and grab a hold of my brother. Um, Lord, continue to do so, please. And as I ask that, I know you do, because that's what you do. That's what you've done. That's what you will always do. So lead him and his family as they continue to walk close to you, Father. And I pray that for each one here. Lord, we need to hear your love. <laughs> Lord, make it more overwhelming and overpowerful, overpowering than the things that are in front of us. Lord, help us to see the real truth of this love, so much so that we are not afraid. We will embrace the cost of living it out, like you did, Lord Jesus. And part of that joy, as you've told us, is to be with you. When we live that cost, we experience your presence. Thank you for paying the cost, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for walking with us each step of the way as ambassadors. Father, thank you for the call to live out what lives in us. In your beautiful name we pray, amen.